You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, I need you to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Also, don't forget, you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets. Over the weekend, I did a crossover episode with Tim Kelly, the host of Locked on Phillies. So I'm going to be playing portions of that conversation over the next two days. Today's episode is going to be focused a little bit more on the Mets tomorrow. We'll be focused on the Phillies and the division as a whole. In the first half of today's episode, I'm going to address the coronavirus and where that is pushing this season. And then I'll get into a portion of the conversation with Tim where we talk about Luis Rojas and the Mets bullpen. Then later on in the second half of the show, we talked about Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonzo, Robinson Cano, and Noah Syndergaard. Before we get into any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Now, I realize that no one is turning to Locked On Mets to give you your update on the coronavirus. Everyone has their eyes on this thing. And so I'm not going to spend a ton of time over the next couple weeks covering this story. When there's something that relates to the Mets, I will give you that update. But in general, I don't think we're going to see baseball for some time. And I'm just going to try to give you a good escape where you can listen to some content about your favorite team, the New York Mets. As of now, though, it's looking like June might be when we see this season resume. This is just speculation, but there was a guidance by the CDC on Sunday that basically advised the United States to not have any gatherings of 50 or more people for the next eight weeks. And right now we're in the middle of March. So you're talking about March into April. And then you need to, if all things go well, ramp up and do some form of a spring training to get pitchers ready. I mean, I think Memorial Day, June area would be an ideal starting point for the season, as crazy as it is to say. But that's just the situation you're in. Because when you talk about meeting with 50 people. I mean, you have two 26-man rosters in any major league game. So you can't do anything until everyone gets the all-clear. So it's going to be some time before we get to see the Mets play again. As of Sunday morning, their minor league camp was officially closed and shut down. Players are now traveling home. Some might be staying in Port St. Lucie to wait this thing out, but it really feels like they're just going to basically have to redo some form of a truncated spring training whenever they can resume the season. And there's just no point in speculating how long of a season we're going to get at this point. I would assume it's going to be a shortened season. How much shorter, we don't know. Hopefully everyone just stays healthy and we kind of ride out this storm. But like I said, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about the coronavirus. You're getting enough of that coverage elsewhere. So we're just going to focus on some more fun topics to kind of take your mind off of things. 
and this conversation I had with Tim Kelly, yes, we're talking about a season that we don't know when it's going to take place, but we're previewing what these two teams have on their roster going into the 2020 season whenever that finally takes place. As I said in this first little clip I'm going to play right here, you're going to hear Tim ask me about Luis Rojas and the Mets bullpen. All right, so, Ryan, one of the things, obviously the Mets moved on from Mickey Callaway. They had planned a transition to Carlos Beltran, who obviously had an incredible career, much of which came with the Mets. And then because of the Astros sign-stealing scandal and his key involvement in that, they elected to part with him before he ever managed a game and turn things over to Luis Rojas. What do you think Luis Rojas brings differently than what Mickey Callaway brought and what's felt different early on in spring training from a Mets sense? Well, it's interesting because you compare the two guys and Mickey Callaway originally gets the nod and then Beltran gets hired, but... Luis Rojas is the one guy that's really been in this organization the whole time, started in the Dominican Republic, has worked his way up, managed at multiple levels. So he actually brings a lot more managerial experience. He was a big part in developing a lot of the players that are currently on this roster. So I just think he really fits naturally with this group. They trust him. They all love him. You hear nothing but rave reviews from the players. So I think he was the natural fit, and it's just not hard for him to make that transition from a quality control coach to being these guys' manager once again. Yeah, I kind of get the sense with him that it's going to be one of those deals where I thought Carlos Beltran would be a good manager, so this isn't a diss on him, but where it's going to be a situation where you look up halfway through the season and it just kind of feels like, you know what, Luis Rojas was probably the right decision all along anyway. So uh, I agree with you there. One of the things that the Mets were obviously plagued by a season ago was how their bullpen pitched. Seth Lugo was very good, but beyond him, they had made big offseason acquisitions in uh, Edwin Diaz and Yuri's Familia, who they brought back, and both were pretty much unmitigated disasters. They signed Dellen Batances this year. You have the hope that at least one of Batances or uh, one of Edwin Diaz and Yuri's Familia bounces back. I look at the Mets, and I think the Braves are going to have the best division in baseball, potentially, certainly the best division or the best bullpen in the National League East. But beyond the Braves, I think the Mets have a chance to have a really good bullpen if things come together. Do you get the sense that Edwin Diaz specifically is going to be able to have a bounce back? And what would that mean to the Mets bullpen this season? Well, I think if you look at Edwin Diaz in his season last year, uh, his ERA obviously was ridiculously high. He gave up a ton of home runs, but I think he struck out close to 15 per nine. And his FIP was a lot lower than his ERA. So you would expect that his performance would kind of go back to the norm a little bit. I think the question on a lot of people's minds is just, you have that question, can he pitch in New York? It's one of those long stories with Mets players, and sometimes it's overblown. But as of now, it did seem last year like some of that stuff might have gotten in his head. It could have also been a variety of other factors like a different baseball. He couldn't throw his slider the way he used to. So I think he still has the talent. He still has the stuff. You watch him pitch. He still has the nasty slider, the great fastball, all of it. Can he put it all together? I think he will, but he definitely has a lot to prove. 
It's funny. The Mets, one of the reports at the time was they felt especially inclined to trade for Edwin Diaz because they were afraid if they didn't do it that the Phillies would. Now, I think Ken Rosenthal reported at one point that the Phillies checked in and essentially thought the price of Sixto Sanchez, who was their number one overall pitching prospect at that time, it was just too much to give up to go get Edwin Diaz. Ultimately, they used that to trade into an, in uh, the NL East to go get JT Realmuto from the Marlins. Now, Sanchez looks to be excellent, but uh, JT Realmuto had a monster season and is pretty universally seen as the best catcher in the sport. So it is interesting to think about how things could have been different if the Phillies had traded for Edwin Diaz. All right, so when we get back in just a minute, Tim is going to talk to me about Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonzo, Robinson Cano, and Noah Syndergaard. But first, do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale of 2020. If you're looking to lose weight, Willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings Smart Scales are known for their durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of Smart Scales don't have that Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you for it to work. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trends, and even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even knows who is who. So here's the deal. You get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at Withings.com for a limited time. Go to Withings.com. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off your Body Plus Body Composition Scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off your Body Plus Body Composition Scale. young talents that the Mets have that exploded last season were Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo. I don't have any doubt that those two are going to be very good players for a long time to come. I don't think either of them is going to top the season that they had a year ago. Am I wrong in that sense? Um, With Pete Alonzo, I think you're probably right. It's going to be hard for him to come in this year and, you know, do better than he did last year. Maybe he has the same season, but to expect more than, 53 home runs and the production he had all year long didn't go through any real long extended slump. So I think there is going to be maybe some slight regression there. I think Jeff McNeil has the potential to have an even better year than what we saw last year. I know that's kind of shocking to say, but there's a guy who had a couple of injuries last year, a couple hamstring injuries. He had to play all over the place this year. He's going to likely settle in and play third base every day. And I think that helps him, you know, really transform his game, be a little bit more consistent. And I think that we saw kind of two hitters last year. In the first half, you saw the guy who was, you know, in the lead for a batting title, 
for some time. In the second half, he became a little bit more of a home run hitter. I expect him to kind of mesh the two, and I wouldn't be surprised if he actually had a better season. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of the things you say about Jeff McNeil going into one position or what a lot of people in Philadelphia, not necessarily myself, but a lot of people think will happen if Scott Kingery is allowed to play second base on a full-time basis for the Phillies. Now, obviously, I don't think anyone has the expectations that Scott Kingery is going to top or get close to what Jeff McNeil did last year, but that's an interesting dilemma to have around the sport right now because you've seen lots of different guys, Kike Hernandez, Ben Zobers, that provide tremendous value uh, playing all over the diamond Whit Merrifield is another one in Kansas City but you do wonder with some of these guys how you balance would they be better just playing one position but are they more valuable being able to move around the diamond so it's an interesting dilemma now shifting back to the Diaz trade for a second one of the other reasons the trade looked like such a disaster last season beyond Diaz's performance is that they took back Robinson Cano who Partially, I believe they did that to limit how many prospects they had to give up to go get him. But I think the expectation was that Robinson Cano, yeah, maybe he'll have to shift to first at some point, or maybe if the DH comes to the NL, or maybe he just won't be a great fielder at second and you'll kind of be stuck with that. But he had a bad season last year, and the Mets are on the hook, I still believe, for close to $100 million with him over the next four seasons. Is there any reason to think he's going to bounce back, or do the Mets just kind of look hamstrung with this deal for the better part of the next half decade? Well, I think Robinson Cano, if you look at his numbers last year, his second half was a lot better than his first half. So if you just look on that and the track record of success, I mean, you're talking about, aside from the steroid questions, a Hall of Fame career, I think that there is a chance that he can have a good season this year. I don't know what the next couple years after this look like, but I still think he has the ability to hit. And what you saw last year is he got hit in the hand, and I think he had a lot of injuries he was playing through, and that really kind of seemed to disrupt his season a little bit. And he fought through a lot of it but did not produce. When he got healthy at the end of the year, the bat came around. So I think Mets fans are hopeful that Cano will have a big year this year. Because I don't know if you're going to get one past this season. One of the things Phillies fans are really focused on this year, and I don't think this is being homerish from Phillies fans, because they look at Zach Wheeler, and I think the thought on him long before he came to the Phillies was always, wow, this is a really good starter. He should probably be better, and we'll see if that ultimately plays out. But with Noah Syndergaard, I've had a lot of that same feeling that I just kind of keep waiting for this season where he explodes. Jacob deGrom, if he's not the best pitcher in baseball and you say Garrett Cole is, then Jacob deGrom's number two. I don't have any question about what you're going to get out of him this year. But in a very crowded division, Noah Syndergaard taking a giant step forward would obviously increase the Mets' chances of winning the division or winning one of the two wild card spots in the National League. Do you believe we're still waiting on the best from Noah Syndergaard? Yeah, I think we saw it a little bit in 2016. People might forget that was the year after the Mets went to the World Series and Jacob deGrom was hurt that season and Syndergaard was an ace of a staff that made a wild card. So we've seen him be able to anchor a stat before but since then the injuries and the inconsistency just hasn't really let him be that guy again I think he is someone that you always expect to break out how could he not 
with the stuff that he has. But you have to start questioning if it's ever going to come. I think this might be the year, but if it's not this year, I don't know if we'll ever quite see that Noah Syndergaard for the Mets that might even move on with only having him for one more season after this year. All right, that'll be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. On tomorrow's show, again, I will be playing the remainder of my conversation with Tim Kelly talking about the Philadelphia Phillies, and we also get in to a little bit of a ranking in the NL East. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this show wherever your podcast. Also, don't forget when you're in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Mets.